They're ready upstairs for us. I'll tell you that much. Oh, hell yeah. Nice velocity. <laughs> Sounded like it. What a great team that was. Oh, so man. much fun to watch those guys. I mean, really good. Welcome, everybody, to the Sports Experience Podcast. Once again, I'm Dom DiTolo with my co-host, Chris Quinn, and we're going to get into a little baseball action in this episode. Yeah, we're back on the diamond. And we're back sitting behind the dish talking about one of the greatest catchers that has ever played the game and an ultimate what-if. That's so what, when I did this research, it's so the what-if story that we always collide into. Like, man, if this guy didn't run into these injuries... Who would he have been? And yeah. We'll get into and it. And we'll, we'll get into it. And I mean, let me just say, I mean, it has a happy ending. Yes. Oh, my God. That's something that I'll take from a lot of these stories that we do is they're like post-career. Sometimes you're like, oh, man, that guy fell off. Yeah. This guy's post-career. Stuff came together for him. Yeah, it really so, did. Yeah, yeah, it came it really together did. for him at the end and post. So that's something that I absolutely love. We're talking about Jake Taylor, one of the best catchers. And one of the best stories that I've researched. Oh, so, definitely one of yeah. the best stories. Uh, born May 31st, 1952 in Ada, Oklahoma. Only child of Bill and Sue Taylor. And uh, Oklahoma, baseball craze state. You know, you got uh, Mickey Mantle. And uh, the reason he wanted him, his dad wanted him to be a catcher was because of Hall of Fame uh, backstop Mickey Cochran. I feel like a lot of guys go, growing up in Oklahoma around here was like, all right, man catcher you this is the, this is your future and, and he, he was born uh, a little bit later than uh, other famed oklahoma catcher johnny bench that's the cincinnati reds that's what i mean i feel like there's a lot of good catchers coming out of oklahoma in this era and it's just dads just willing it you know yeah yeah definitely uh, pushing them into the baseball even in a football crazed state uh jake had a great high school career though oh yes yes i school. thought that was interesting uh Hit 600 yeah. in playing high school in American Legion ball. But uh, unfortunately, uh, advanced scouting really wasn't a thing during that era. But like I feel like now. this is something that I felt like was so weird because even though scouting didn't really pick him up, I felt like a power hitting catcher should have been on people's radar, but it just wasn't. Well, it's like Mike Piazza almost. Yeah. Like we were talking about before, like yep. a catcher with a little bit of pop. Although Piazza, unlike Taylor, he wasn't a catcher. He no. was like kind of a corner infield. They didn't really know where to play him. They just made him a catcher because they're like, well, this guy needs to be on the field. This guy needs to be on the field and taking some hacks at the plate. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, but because he wasn't drafted, he went to uh, East Central University there in town. Um, funny thing about that university, it was home to former pirate greats, uh, Hall of Famers, Paul and Lloyd Wayner. Big Poison and Little Poison. Oh, dang. I didn't know that. That's a good little fact Oh, I did my there. research yeah, there, Yeah, I like buddy. that, man. Oh, absolutely. I'll tell you something that I saw that, I a little quote from him was he said that when he told his dad he was going to play baseball in his hometown, his dad was just like, that's amazing. It, like he got seriously excited because he got to see him all the time. And they were both talking about that will probably be the end of his baseball career. Like, oh, totally. That yeah. was the thought was like college ball is great, but that's going to be about it. 
because he was so unscouted, undrafted. Yeah, you, you just know? figured, oh, okay, well, I guess I got to go back to uh, find a job after this. Exactly. Like, I'm going to college just for fun to play baseball more exactly. than anything else. Yeah. But let me say this. As soon as he hops on that central team, he essentially becomes captain and like that main part. Oh, totally. When it, What a catcher becomes to a good team, I feel like. Yeah, because your strength has to be up the middle with your pitcher, your middle infield, your catcher, and your center fielder. Exactly. And so, yeah, I, he – like a, I feel like a lot of college players didn't play a lot freshman sophomore year. Yeah, um, really came on as their number one catcher and I think number one hitter in his junior year, but definitely in his senior year. Well, yeah, but you could tell he was a natural born leader, like a guy that could turn a team around. Yep. Yeah, that was definitely, definitely what his uh, college coach said was once he took essentially captaincy of this team, like they, I think they had a like a 24 and, and four record or something yeah, after he took something over. Ridiculous. Yeah. yeah, no, because he knows, and we'll see later in his major league career, he knows how to handle a pitching staff. Yes, especially that's, young oh, pitchers. it's so smart, but that's him at his core. That's Jake Taylor. Oh, um, definitely. I saw something. He still holds the uh, home run record for a catcher for East Central University. That's pretty awesome, man. Yeah. That's legit. Yeah, and now finally he's recognized as this great player and he gets drafted. Yeah. He gets actually drafted because he's just the talk of college baseball, even though he's not at like a big baseball school. Um, he is the 10th overall pick by the Boston Red Sox in the 1973 draft. And that is, and we'll get into it. This is, comes into this Sox organization that is like finally starting to turn it around after decades and decades of just, I feel like poor scouting, poor player development well and you look at boston i mean they're the last team to integrate so from 46 to the impossible dream in 67 where they win the pennant there you go there's absolutely nothing there's absolutely nothing for that franchise and uh boston takes a little bit of a gamble here as they already have an established backstop in uh carlton fisk but on their this, roster this is where i feel like why boston is starting to turn their franchise around is they're almost looking a decade in the future yeah they're looking to find the next guy and because taylor can hit and he goes through the minor leagues at a decent pace about the same rate as boggs he's got about four years in the minor league i was system. gonna say it's a very average pace like he didn't blow through the the no. minors but it, it's like Almost every guy coming through at that rate was spending three, four years in there. So, yeah, yeah at that particular time. But uh, by 77, he makes a big club. And while he's, uh, you know, kind of backup catching, he does see some time as a uh, designated hitter. Yes. And uh, he's taking his hacks up there. And the Sox are kind of liking what they see, uh, staying competitive in that uh, AL East. And then in uh, 78 was kind of a tough year. 78 was kind of a tough year for him as uh, Boston had that huge lead i think it was like 13 games in july over the yankees yep and the yankees have fired billy martin uh reggie jackson isn't happy thurman munson's pissed off like it's just an absolute shit show but they end up putting it all together and end up because boston wins on the last day of the year to even force it yeah a one game playoff a one game playoff and for the 1978 al east title and that game, which Jake did not participate in, actually. He was stuck on the bench and had to watch uh, Mike Torres go to the mound for Boston and uh, Boston take a lead, and it's known as the Bucky fucking Dent game. Yep. Well, where... it's interesting because he is one of these bench players that just doesn't necessarily get off 
of this. So he, he's his name isn't associated with this horror, I guess, in Boston. If yeah. that makes sense. No, no. They, they, it's not his fault. <laughs> yes, exactly. It's not your fault. <laughs> it's not your fault, Jake. <laughs> so in 1980, he gets the starting position. Yeah, they're finally ready to move on uh, from Fisk. And uh, they give the job to Jake. And he does a pretty darn good job. Well, and this is what I found so interesting is like he is a absolute great hitter and on top of that he's a great catcher brought up mike piazza because he was the player that i felt like like the next decade people are like oh man if jake taylor and we'll get into it if jake taylor goes his whole career without getting injured he's like looking at mike piazza type numbers or and, it's oh, even johnny bench from oklahoma it's Same even thing. johnny bench yeah. i was he's just the american say league that. johnny bench yeah. man and it's this is what I feel like with him in this in this era of at Boston. Yeah. You know? No, I mean from 81 to 85, he made the All-Star game every year. Yep. He had 3 gold gloves, one silver slugger, hit 290, 125 dingers, 450 RBIs and an OPS over 900. I saw in 83, let me look. Yep, in 83 he actually hit 320. Yeah, that's which, incredible. Yeah. Oh my god, for a catcher to be able to do that to hit for average and I mean, he's batting in the middle of the lineup for the, for the yes, Bo Sox. Yes. I mean, he's doing a great job. He's an all-star. Mm-hmm. And everybody and their mothers are saying that he's a future Hall of Famer. That's Made the, the cover only... of Sports Illustrated. Yep. Like, he's, superstar. He's a superstar. Um, but things then, start to happen. I was just going to say. And then, so we go through, this is literally, it's like a four-year period where he is putting up Hall of Fame numbers. And then... In 85, it's like the worst thing to happen to your star. Yeah. Essentially for a franchise, because this is like will kill a franchise for like multiple years, shit like this. Because they're playing the hated Yankees, uh, oh, September 12th, 1985. And uh, Clue Haywood, future Triple Crown winner, uh, league leader in nose hairs. Uh, someone referred to him as uh, every time he sneezes, it looks like a party favor. <laughs> yeah, I, I read a quote on him. Cause he's a real asshole and there's, you know, there's yeah, professional there's... guys that are assholes, but, uh, read a quote that he threw at his own son at a father son game. So, I mean that you could take that for what it is. Is it competition or is it him just being, you yeah, know, you know, but, uh, runs him over at the plate and <laughs> basically just a Buster Posey type devastating knee injury. But remember this is 1985, not like 2011, 2012 surgery. Now and- I was going to say this because, I feel like in 20 years, they'll be looking at the rehab we do now, and they're like, whoa, that was way off. This they're going to think it's barbaric. This is 35 years ago. So they just didn't have, first off, the surgery to repair them, and, and second, the the rehab. And if you're a catcher, you need your knees. That's it. You need them. Yep. You need them. And uh, after the season, as he's rehabbing him, uh, they end up trading him to the Cardinals in 86. Yeah. Yeah. I thought that was interesting because... A lot of people felt like he wasn't going to produce anymore. And he missed the 86 Buckner team. Yep. Oddly enough. So he, he got to be spared that heartbreak, but was, still his career is kind of taking a dive right now. I was going to say because he, he's still held in Boston as one of these guys that like the what if or almost like, like a Tony Canigliaro. Yeah. Oh, that's a great name. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. So Granted, he, he got the, hit in the face with a baseball. He didn't just, have it. Yeah. Yeah. A little different, a little, <laughs> little different, a little scotch different. Yeah. Um, but uh, something funny, uh, the, his injury actually happened on my birthday. 
Oh, uh, really? So nice. There you oh, go. Just wow. a little coincidence. Little uh, Chrissy tangent there going with it. There you uh, go. 86 traded to the Cardinals where, and we were talking about this. This is why we we're kind of leading into it where he almost gets played too early. Yeah. And this is what the thought was, was that happened was he was putting too much weight putting too much reliance on his other knee and it just gave and it gave so he, he so he well, ends up playing on that old turf at bush stadium yeah all that oh, shitty concrete astroturf i was gonna ask you if you thought that kind of oh bit, it had went to into have been. it yeah, yeah. So, especially not playing on that his entire career yeah and then coming onto it with a bad knee and he's like favoring it yeah no it's it's uh it's a really like we said, it's one of these sad fucking uh, instances where this Hall of Famer really destroys both of his knees. Yeah, and, destroys both of them. And if you if you watch him in '84 mm-hmm. or in the beginning of '85, you're like, this the sky's the He's limit. He's going to Cooperstown. And then in '86, but then in '86, everything starts falling apart in his personal life. Oh, that's it. So here's my question because there's rumors of possibly partying a little partying a little uh there was a false paternity suit yeah i didn't read that him. one yeah. that's wild false paternity suit um apparently the lady he was with um uh she uh she was a former olympic ch- uh alternate on the 80 olympic team oh yes his long time uh individual okay. medley his i thought you were talking lady. about the uh the oh, no. lady with the paternity Not suit, the lady I was like, the paternity like, suit. no apparently there was a story where uh, she found him uh cheating on her with a stewardess and uh oh geez yeah she was like uh she asked him why that happened and he's like well she told me she had a better body than you and i was there to defend your honor quotable <laughs> a, jake taylor what a quote Jesus. what a quote asshole but what a quote oh man that's and then great apparently she had yelled back that's bullshit i have a way better body than she does <laughs> was, were people there like recording that that's pretty ridiculous I, if this was 2015 it totally would have happened. oh yeah that's yeah. so right that's i mean so nobody right. had nobody's walking around with a tape recorder at that time oh that's so what they would have had to do but yep. uh the only thing i gotta say is women can't yeah. live with them mm-hmm. and they can't pee standing Ended up, up. yeah <laughs> um so in 86 his whole life essentially is just goes to shit goes to shit and then it gets even shittier because in 87 when the cardinals don't bring him back the indians pick him up on waivers and if your life already isn't bad enough and then you have to go to cleveland still it's professional baseball but it's kind of professional baseball because the indians had the worst record in the league that year this is something that i feel like happens with bad franchises is they almost take like this chance on this guy who was once great yeah who they can get asses and seats for exactly come see former all-star jake taylor at cleveland municipal stadium that's exactly and it almost never works out and it didn't work out no they they 51 and 111 (laughs) and i looked up this team because i was so interested and this is why because it comes back um, it was a bunch of veterans who were at the end of their time who essentially and I mailed hate to it say in. It, yeah, mailed it in. And I mean, you could see by their record. And so in the Indians released Jake along with a ton of other uh, veterans in this year. And he ends up playing in the Mexican League. And this is what I wanted to bring up. The Sultanas de Monterey. Oh, it's so good. If anybody's ever seen Eastbound and Down, I feel like it was a, a mix of Mike Piazza's look and Jake Taylor's story. Flama Blanca. Just a, with a little John Rocker racism peppered in. Exactly. Just for a little Kenny pepper. Powers. Yeah, Not just, Jake Taylor, but it, Kenny Powers. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, nice little quote I read on that. Um, 
It was uh, Kenny Powers looks like Mike Piazza if he's hit by a frying pan. <laughs> thought that was pretty accurate. I feel like that's pretty accurate. But back yeah. to Jake back Taylor. To Jake Taylor. His life is went from essentially like superstar to nobody. And I, it had to feel like overnight. And yeah, definitely overnight with the knee injuries. And now you're basically just drinking tequila, carousing with Mexican hookers and trying to eat the worm. That's what the report from... I guess the Mexican scouts was was that he was there at a party, even though he was still raking it in there. He yeah. was partying really. And how could you not, though? I mean, you got to make the best out of a bad situation. You know, you got to make the best out of a bad situation. And that's 100% what he did, which is why. And this is where we're coming. This is where we're, this is where we're coming in hot. Coming in hot. Why in the 89 season where, and I, this is where we have to talk about the Indians franchise. Yeah, we have to talk about them because they had new ownership in 89. New ownership in 89. Their, their former owner, uh, Donald Phelps. Yep. He ended up succumbing to a heart attack. And in his will, he passed the team down to one of his i think i believe it was his fifth wife who yep. was an ex showgirl in las vegas rachel phelps well i mean come on i feel like it's unfair that we kind of classify her as that she's definitely a businesswoman now she's very savvy yes. she, she's what they call the kids today call a bad bitch oh that's pretty damn accurate with her yeah. so she and there's there's conflicting reports about this i wanted to ask you about this because there's conflicting reports that she picked up a bunch of players and Jake it, included. Jake included. And it was almost mismanagement. And then there was other reports that she wanted to essentially tank the season and try and move the franchise. Well, it's been confirmed. You know, it, it was, was? It, it was it was kind of at the time it was kind of, you know, like just speculation. Yeah. Like because, you know, they had their owners meeting and she gives out these papers. Right. Of the players they're inviting to camp. And there's this one guy who's like. Well, most of these guys are way past their prime. And another scout's like, some of these guys never even had a prime. And the, apparently, she put a dead guy on the list. Oh, wow. A player who had died years before that she was going to invite to camp. So she was purposefully tanking, yeah, trying I mean, to it's, get... It's come out in interviews where okay. she said she wanted to tank him because she hated Cleveland. Yeah, she, I heard that. She just came into the team because she was you know, married to Mr. Phelps or whatever. Yep. And she wanted to take the team because this is 1989. MLB hasn't expanded to Florida yet. She wanted to move the Indians to Miami. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, wow. That would have been to Miami. So... And Jake was part of that uh, cavalcade of, shall we say, rejects who were going to make it happen. Well, I heard that she wanted to bring him back because she could pay him the league minimum. And oh, she totally the was... league minimum. Yeah. Yeah. Because uh, baseball players make pretty good salaries, even at the league minimum. Even I mean. at the league minimum, yeah, totally. Yes, yes. Um, so he, I heard this from one of his friends. He gets a call from the organization, and he actually he thought it was so outlandish that a major league baseball was call a team was yeah. calling him again. That his response was, "If you're going to make this shit up, you might as well say you're from the Yankees." <laughs> and it was such a great thing because he thought it was so outlandish. Yeah, he thought it was so outlandish, but then he ends up at High Corbett in Tucson with just a mess of crazy, crazy other teammates. Hey, everybody. Just want to take a quick break to uh, let you know that our Sports Experience podcast is brought to you by Engel Studio here, and uh, they're here in Tucson for all your recording needs. Well, and this, I'll tell you what, she brings in 
like I said, the Indians before Phelps died were planning a rebuild. Yeah. Her rebuild was a little bit different than what they were planning. And she goes out and gets a manager who she thought was going to be awful, but turned out to be great. He had managed the Toledo Mud Hens for the last 37 years. And she probably didn't realize that Lou Brown was going to step in and motivate this. He motivated the shit out of that team. This group of great young talent with Jake just at the helm. Jake at the helm. Like they, they had a guy they got out of the California Penal League. He's a fireballing pitcher. And you know what? It, he is so... It's so interesting because... And we look at 89-90 season and the 90-91 season. Yeah. And the improvement he has, and we're talking about Ricky. Yeah, Ricky Vaughn. Ricky Wild Wild Thing Vaughn. The improvement he has in the 89-90 season and then the drop-off when Jake, and we'll get into this, isn't the catcher anymore in the 91-92 season. Yeah, because you needed Jake there. Yeah. But but we're talking 89-90. They got a guy who just showed up to camp. Oh, yeah. In just a, a, the back end of his car was a VW bug and the front end was a Rolls Royce. He showed up. They kicked him out of camp and then he made the team by running fucking wind sprints in his pajamas and he was faster than anybody. Willie, Willie Mays Hayes led Major League Baseball in steals that year. I was going to say, like, we could probably do a couple of podcasts on a couple of other guys on this team, but we're going to stick with Jake Taylor. Stick with Jake. But you're right. All these young guys coming out of nowhere and then like a veteran picture pitcher like Eddie Hayes. Eddie Harris, yeah. Eddie Harris, excuse me. And, and then, then they got this one guy out of Cuba. He was a defector. He came, oh, yeah. o- he came over on a piece of furniture. He wanted he didn't even leave because the communists were in charge. Well, partly because the communists were in charge, but they wouldn't let him practice his religion, which was voodoo. Oh God, I forgot that. Right-handed so power hitter Pedro Serrano. Oh yeah. man, yeah. So this 89 season, they start off exactly what Miss Phelps wants. Yeah, they're just God awful. They're the dregs. They're yeah. exactly what it was when Jake was with them in 87. And it's this feeling around the clubhouse. Um, they, they, oh, I wanted to bring this guy up. They, cause he gets brought back later. But oh they, yeah. They essentially have one high priced talent and it's third baseman, Roger Dorn. Exactly. And he's kind of a pretty boy. He's at the end of his career. He probably should have been let go with all those other high priced veterans. And, uh, I remember there was a moment though, that season where uh, Vaughn is pitching a shutout into the ninth inning, or he's winning a game into the ninth inning, ready to close out a complete game. It's almost, it's almost one of the first times that he's in this situation. situation. Cause the yeah. team is starting to improve around yeah. midseason. season. Yeah. And Dorn t- apparently tanks a play. Like he doesn't dive for it. Doesn't really go after a ground ball in the third, uh, the five, five hole between third and short. I, I saw this in an interview. I know what you're talking and about. And, Taylor, after the game, even though the Indians did win, Taylor went to Dorn's house and told him, if I ever catch you tank another play again, I'm going to cut your nuts off and stuff them down your fucking throat. Yeah, that was something that Dorn said that made him realize like, oh, I can't take this year off. Yeah, Yeah. I I can't take it off, you know. Because that's what he thought was going to happen. Essentially, this was going to be his last year and he was just going to lollygag and i use that lollygaggers i use that as a baseball term but they're like 500 at midseason and then the i think it's the gm yeah charlie donovan the gm yeah talks to lou brown and he's like man i I hate to tell you what the front office's plan for this team was because 
what ended up happening was is they're not even flying on nice airplanes they're on stuff that was used like world war ii basically going to games on buses jake is reading moby dick to get back with his lady lynn wesson who's now a librarian oh, he's yeah, reading I the moby that. dick comic comics i, I heard that uh, another one i heard was um a lot of these, there was like, and this is the way clubhouses go. Half of them are super religious. Half of them aren't. They said once they got those really bad planes, they were like, the whole team became religious. Yeah. It was it was like, no, 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 God's saving us on these. And that's how bad the airplanes were. They Like, you think it's bad that your planes duct taped together. That's how they were getting around. But Charlie tells Lou what's happening. He tells him what's happening as far as them trying to tank and move to Miami and how everyone would be let go even if they don't finish last. Everyone like it's their last hurrah together, all yeah, of them. They have no chance like if they don't do it they're going to bring in the dregs. They're going to bring in even shittier players. Exactly. And what ends up happening is they rally around each other. Now, I wanted because there is a story and it was un, I couldn't confirm. Yeah, it, I haven't this, confirmed this either. But. but so there was a there's been various pictures of Miss Phelps taken. I mean, she was a showgirl in the 80s yeah. or in the, you know, early 80s kind of thing. So 70s, yeah. 70s. Yeah, uh, there's various Polaroids or whatever you want to call it. I don't know if Polaroid was even invented then. Who knows? But it doesn't matter. <laughs> exactly. Um, so they ended up getting a naked picture of her blowing it up to life size. And every time they would win, they would take a small piece of clothing off. And the way Lou Brown set it up was every they, time we win. Oh, that's we so a great. Peel a section. And then seriously, if they ended up winning the whole thing, well, well, to go to the playoffs, um, she would be butt ass naked. And, I, and I they needed know, to I win. They had to catch the Yankees in in late August. They were 15 games back. I mean, they're not a bad team, but that's still a pretty insurmountable a huge, yeah. type of thing because you only have one month left to play to make up that type of uh, type of ground. I'll tell you what. What else is crazy that I found is like the Yankees for Jake Taylor is like the Yankees. It's like the Yankees for Ken Griffey Jr. There you go. Yeah, totally. So uh, so they start to turn it around, and people literally are saying, like, Lou Brown is this great, great motivator, but then Lou really is giving a lot of credit to Jake and what he's doing oh, with yeah. these guys. Oh, yeah, totally handling the pitching staff. I mean, when your number one starter is a juvenile delinquent in the offseason, that's pretty good. Well, everybody thought that Vaughn would take two, three years to come around, and he came around in six games. Yeah. So Seriously. and you got to give it up to the catcher for something like that. And the velocity that he was putting on those pitches, man. And I, then you have Harry Doyle up in the booth calling all the games. Oh, yeah. I forgot, man. That's one of the great call men of baseball. Yeah. Harry Doyle is just the best yeah. call man in baseball. Every time I see somebody pitching outside, I always think just a bit outside. He tried the corner and missed. <laughs> How are guys laying off pitches? This, this is close. good. <laughs> All right, so we see this team turn around. And they catch the Yankees on the last day of the season. And they that's li it's like it's such a great story for Jake because they catch this team that he has been battling his whole career. Like Boston in 78 yeah. when you have the one-game AL East playoff, but now it's the Indians, and they haven't been to a postseason series since 1954. Wow. Yeah pretty crazy i know and they uh they go in and while vaughn is a scheduled starter he kind of struggled against the yankees and taylor kind of knows this so him and brown decide to go with uh, the veteran harris in the game 
Which I think is right, but you can, I mean, there's no doubt that Harris isn't going to do a complete game. I'll, no, I'll say that. He will in. give it his all and yeah. he'll have that veteran savvy to yeah. him. Yeah. But uh, there's a little controversy that involves Jake before the game as oh, yeah. far as uh, yeah there's some stuff that goes on because allegedly Vaughn had had sex with Dorn's wife and Jake kind of has to you know Whoa. keep him separated that type of deal and then uh, even before the game uh, allegedly Serrano because he's oh, I heard practicing this. voodoo wow I heard this was one of so wild he, he wanted to sacrifice a live chicken before the game for good luck or something and, I don't know yeah and uh, what ends up happening, because what was it? Uh, Hayes was telling Taylor, and he's like, we can't have guys puking in the locker room before the game. You got to do something. So what Taylor does is enlist the third base coach to go get KFC and one whole chicken. And he brings it to Serrano, and he, people are talking about it because Serrano's kind of expecting a live chicken to show up, and he, yeah. he brings it to him, and he gives it to him, and people are just kind of like, he just like accepts it. Yeah. If that makes sense, he's like, eh, okay, well, that's it. The the colonel can solve a lot of people's problems. Let's just say that. And but- luckily for them, because Serrano, I mean, he had been hitting pretty much, I think the Yankees are the worst team that he hits. You know what I mean? Well, like, yeah, because Serrano could never hit off-speed stuff. He oh, was never that what hit it was? breaking stuff. Okay. So the Yankees were pretty wise to that, and they weren't giving any mistake pitches despite him being, you know, the team's best power hitter. And, yeah. Uh, the game is one of the most exciting I think I've ever seen. Yeah. I mean, the Yankees go up early, uh, two to nothing. But uh, in the, I believe, bottom of the sixth, uh, Serrano ties the game when after going down 0-2 on breaking balls, he served up a fastball. Yep. Pitcher just thought he had him. Yeah. No, it's one of those mistakes that a pitcher will make and he tattoos he, he the, knocked it out of municipal stadium which yeah. is almost i think cecil fielder might be one of the only few people to do that and uh yeah he hits it out of the stadium it's tied 2-2 tied 2-2 goes into the ninth and harris has got some men on base and his arm is tired and brown's got to make a decision and he goes to the wild thing out of the bullpen i thought it was interesting uh i read a or I saw it in an interview later, Jake Taylor was talking about it. He said he didn't think he was going to pull uh, Ricky Vaughn out of the bullpen no matter what because yeah. he, he had such a horrible record that year. And he asked Lou after the game, and he said, no, no, no. He was prepped that whole game. Like He was like, Lou had this in his mind, like, no, no. He had a hunch he was due. He, was, he had a hunch he was due. What a great little quote that is. Yeah. And it was, oh, man. And he's facing Haywood who had basically ruined Taylor's career. I was going to say, the we had triple a, crown that year. We got to bring Haywood back, who, like we said, it wasn't a dirty play for the time. Yeah. Nowadays, Nowadays. people would be like, whoa, that's, that was rough. Um, and we see him do what the Yankees tried to do the, to Serrano, which is overpower yeah. the, the, the batter. But Wild Thing did it. Yeah. Three pitches, three strikes. All of which 100 miles an hour. Oh, that's so wild. And Taylor's back there, and they go to the bottom of the ninth. Willie Mays Hayes leads off, gets on with a little excuse me hit, steals second base, and who comes to the plate? Jake Taylor. Jake Taylor. And this is one of the best moments for, especially if you're an Indians fan. Yeah, because he comes to the plate, and what does he do? He calls his shot like Babe Ruth in the series, like any young kid would in a baseball game. Yeah, like exactly. And 
the first pitch comes in and he brushes yeah he brushes him back because you're not you're you're not going to show a guy up like that exactly but this is why i felt like it was so special as he gets right back up and he points again points again and before the pitch he looked at his third base coach and he saw the infield playing back yeah and in such a savvy veteran move pitch comes in because hayes best run base runner in the entire american league yep Lays down a bunt with the third baseman almost lined at the bag. Oh, we forgot uh, Hayes stole second. Yeah. I did, yeah. I said okay. That. I don't oh, know. Yeah. <laughs> I, sometimes I forget if we have mentioned it. So Hayes is on second and he, he completely fakes out this third baseman. Actually, if you watch the video, you can see the baseman go, shit. Yeah. He's just like, it's shit. so it's because I mean, the bunts out of nowhere. He's calling a shot. He's calling a shot and he bunts it and it is so perfectly laid down and this is something that is so ridiculous because he still has to leg it out to first yeah with those horrible knees horrible horrible knees knees. and they stay together and he just makes it he barely makes it but haywood who catches it doesn't react fast enough in time because on the pitch hayes is running he's he's got a head start yep and because they throw it to first base he's coming in rounding third trying to score the winning run and he does yep and the place goes bonkers and that's i mean it's without a doubt indians best win for for i mean decades and decades i I can't even think of a recent one and while they while they do lose the alcs they get swept by the white Sox that year um things are looking pretty good for the following season for the indians um miss phelps because the team didn't lose yep ends up selling the team to now retired roger dorn Dorn and some investors, which yeah. I feel like midseason kind of bites them in the ass. So. Oh, very much so. But they get a good free agent acquisition, which ends up kind of hurting Taylor. Yes. They get uh, Jack Parkman from Oakland, all-star catcher, to bolster their lineup and uh, provide some youth behind the plate. Yeah. And, um, you know, they're they're looking like they're contenders again. They're really getting excited in Cleveland. preseason. People are talking about them going in like they were the last season. Like everybody should be producing. And uh, they get to they get to spring training. Taylor's obviously focused. He's ready to play another year. He's ready to try one more time. Yep. To win a World Series. And while you have guys like Hayes making movies with Jesse the Body Ventura, what was that Razzie winning film, Black Hammer, White, White Lightning? Lightning? Yeah, it's it's a bad one, but it's if you watch it, it's it's great for its campiness. Oh, great campiness. And then Vaughn decides to be Mr. GQ and not the awesome biker that he was. Well, they just, you see, everybody changes their personality and this captain's role that Jake had last year is essentially taken away because they just don't want that veteran the how do i put this he is serrano became a buddhist for a while what oh, the hell it's was so that? weird it was well crazy. and then dorn becomes their owner so yeah. i mean it's i mean a, it's just everything is out of sorts harris retires harris is gone i mean what you're really working with is a team that's completely lost its focus exactly and you see that for the first few months of the season well, uh, I want to say this. He doesn't make the team. No, Taylor, because they have another young can- catcher in camp, Rube Baker. Uh, Taylor actually helped him out with his little Mackie Sasser problem. Oh, yeah. Of throwing the ball back to the pitcher. Yeah, I heard about that, which led the organization to see him be management material. And apparently all Rube needed to do, because he read Playboy articles religiously, was just remember them as he was throwing the ball back after really? a pitch. Oh, yeah. I didn't hear that. That's a ridiculous oh, one. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's great. So he becomes Lou Brown's pretty much assistant manager. Yeah. I don't even know what they're... What, 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 
his position bench was coach bench coach yeah and about i think they started one in 18 something something like chicago cubs level it, it was, garbage yeah and they're doing absolutely awful and one of the worst things to happen to one of these guys in this high pressure management position lou brown has a heart attack he has a heart attack and then they have to trade Parkman because Dorn can't make next month's payroll. Like he's putting proctology signs in the outfield. They said that Dorn, and this is what I kind of alluded to, had real problems with investors. And he essentially bought the team for way too much money and didn't have enough money to sustain his yeah. ownership. He managed to pick up uh, their left fielder. Uh, Hiroshi Kamikaze Tanaka in that trade, yep. but it was it was just an afterthought. Yeah, like you no. just traded the only good player on your team or the only focused player on your team. Yeah, I like that because I feel like they had good players, but nobody was focused. Yeah, but uh, trade them to their to their rivals. Yeah, at to this the White point. Sox. Yeah. yeah, and what ends up happening is after Brown has his heart attack, guess who's coaching the team? And this is where I feel like jake kind of takes this team under his wing again yeah he takes him under his wing he jake gets, taylor becomes the coach i mean the manager thinking soccer and the best part is is because dorn has to sell the team he ends up having to sell it back to rachel phelps and she and this is one of the He's things mad was, this is one of the things i was talking about is she is a savvy businesswoman in that she makes hundreds of millions of dollars on or not but tens of millions of dollars on this deal and but she doesn't even need to doesn't need to she just is doing it all out of spite and much like the year before the team rallies they rally for a nice run the only one really struggling towards the end of that is vaughn yeah 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 because and, taylor's not back there coaching him up yeah well that's something that and this is what i wanted to allude to was he was so great when jake was catching and then as soon as he's gone he loses all and people were talking about it all mental focus and really is like a different pitcher from one year to the next until the end of the season until the end he, of the season because they go to the lcs they yep. see the white Sox again they see parkman again and they, they start out like gangbusters. They go up three to nothing. Yep. Like Taylor's one win away from a World Series appearance. And everything falls to shit. Then they get the brakes beat off them. Yeah. In the next three. In the next this three. This is pre Red Sox coming back against the Yankees in 2004. I mean, yeah. This could have actually happened. Yeah. And uh, they go to the game seven, and uh, Taylor doesn't start falling because he doesn't have it. Yeah. And Again, so this is like the year before, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, and uh, what ends up happening is the Indians are taking a very precious lead. The bases are loaded with two out in the bottom of the ninth inning of Game 7. Taylor goes to the bullpen, much like Lou Brown did the year before. Yep. And he brings out the wild thing. And he's got his stuff back. And yeah. I, was, I don't know what You have happened. these crazy fans throughout the year just taunting Vaughn from the stands. I think my favorite one was, Vile thing, you make my butt sting. Oh, my God. That's so wonderful. You make everything embarrassing. <laughs> but, yeah, he shows up, and he's a guy that shows up when the, when the chips are down. And he goes after Parkman. He loads the bases to get to Parkman. Which is not baseball set no no i mean unless it's barry bonds you don't do that yes but uh yeah he ends up doing the same thing he did the year before straight gas straight gas and he had it that's the thing that we look at was i don't know if jake finally got him out of his head or what but yeah he he, he produces when they needed it because they 
I mean, bases loaded with Parkman on the... Yeah. You know? Shit, man. Throwing them straight gas. It was amazing. And the Indians go to their first World Series. They win their first World Series since 1948 with Jake Taylor as the manager. And something I read, because he ends up managing a couple of years after this, Mm -hmm. uh, but something I read was he ended up retiring because he didn't want the same fate as Lou Brown. He didn't want to have a heart attack, and he wanted to ended up starting a family with uh, his longtime uh, love, uh, let me look. Lynn. Lynn Weston. Um, and actually, if you see the uh, when they beat the Yankees, yeah. if you watch the end of that game, you can see her uh, in Jake's arms. It's, wow! Yeah, it's oh, one that's of those awesome. Oh, that's one great. of those that gets pointed out, and you're like, oh, there she is. Oh. Um, they actually go on and have two kids. That's great, man. I don't know if you saw this, which is kind of a bummer, but they were uh, Olympic hopefuls for 2020, and that just kept getting pushed back. Man, fuck COVID. Yeah, <laughs> I know. It's but because she was the uh, she was an Olympic alternate for the i think it was the 80 team that they boycotted the olympics yeah there you go mm-hmm. there you go you know you oh, know I what know. i'm talking i know about. what you, i know what you're throwing down buddy and that's jake taylor Jake taylor everybody hey everybody this is just a stock message at the end of every episode we hope you enjoyed whatever athlete and or team that that episode was about just want to say give us a quick follow on all social media we have a youtube channel the sports experience podcast and we're on instagram Tolo dominic and myself sequin comedy so give us a follow all around um we're always recording right here at angle studio thank you all very much